Talofalava, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Elisha Foon. Coming up. As people in Samoa wait to hear about whether the lockdown will be extended, community cases of COVID-19 are nearing 300 there. Hundreds of people are flocking to testing sites daily and some aren't following the rules. The problem that we're seeing right now, even people that don't have symptoms of COVID are lining up at the testing sites. New Zealand's Defence Minister has arrived in Fiji and met with his counterpart today. But why the visit now? The Pacific is one of our key priorities as a defence force. Not to come in and, and take over, but to support. And it's World Water Day, so we take a look at the issues Kiribati is facing with groundwater. Kiribati probably has one of the most serious groundwater problems and drinking water problems overall in the Pacific region. Community cases of COVID-19 are nearing 300 in Samoa. At midnight tonight, the lockdown in Samoa at Alert Level 3 expires after being implemented on Saturday night. People are now waiting to hear from the government about whether the lockdown will be extended. RNZ Pacific's correspondent in Samoa, Joyeta, gave me the details. To date, the community cases have now reached 262 that's inclusive of the imported 15 cases from the passengers on the repatriation flight earlier this month. They've just implemented yesterday home isolation, which was never done before. Everyone that gets that have been tested positive are taken directly into isolation ward at the hospital. The government started uh, implementing the testing sites last week. But the problem that we're seeing right now, even people that don't have symptoms of COVID are lining up at the testing site. They're just exposing themselves. Um, at one site yesterday, there was more than 100 and they, they're not even enforcing the social distancing. And so that's creating a problem for the government because they continue to inform the people that unless you have symptoms or you've been in contact with anyone that, that has uh, been tested positive, you don't need to be tested. The Ministry of Health is using the rapid antigen testing kits. Um, the pharmacy are selling some of those test kits, but it's cost an arm and a leg. So people are lining up at the clinics at all the testing sites because it's free. As case numbers climb, there is real concern frontline workers will be most at risk of contracting the virus. She says there is now mounting pressure on frontline workers to keep up and stay safe. The frontliners, the nurses and the doctors, some of them have been tested positive. And, you know, the government has assured that they have enough manpower. But seeing posts on social media by some of these nurses, um, it's apparent that quite discouraging for them because they're working 12 hours a day. They're being separated from their families. They're demanding that the government do something about this. So, you know, these are some of the questions that we put to the National Emergency to the National Emergency Operations Committee that's overseeing um, the pandemic right now in the country. But so far, they haven't said anything. But, you know, that's quite concerning that given the health workers are now, some of them have been, have tested positive. And, you know, they're asking the question, what is the government going to do if 80% or 50% of the health workers, um, you know, contract the virus? But I think, I mean, that's the main issue right now because the community cases continue to increase and it includes the health workers. Just yesterday, four, four police officers were tested positive.
New Zealand and Fiji have made a pact to work together to further strengthen its defence forces. New Zealand's Defence Minister Penny Henare landed in Fiji yesterday and met with his counterpart today. RNZ Pacific's correspondent in Fiji, Lethe Monovo, spoke to Minister Henare about the reason for his visit. Uh, so first and foremost it's to reconnect. After that it's actually dealing with some very serious issues coming out of the pandemic. That's maritime security. Uh, the response and relief efforts for disasters and just as importantly from a New Zealand defence perspective um, the regeneration of our workforce. Um, The defence force has been crucial in our pandemic response both in Fiji and New Zealand but what we need to do now is come out of that and regenerate our workforce to bring them back into being ready to operate in this in this in the Pacific. And how much of that regeneration requires the input of Pacific communities and Pacific countries? Uh, it's the only way to do it and I've made it quite clear that the Pacific is one of our key priorities as a defence force. Not to be not to come in and, 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 and take over, but to support. And I think collectively with Fiji we can do that in a good relationship that sees us support uh, the defence force here that allows us to regenerate our defence force at home. Uh, Minister, we had the Secretary of State come from the US recently and New Zealand wasn't included in the meeting that happened here for the Pacific. Why was that and where is New Zealand in the whole um, uh, narrative around what the Americans were doing here? Yeah, look, I I can't explain why the Prime Minister, there must be something there that why the Prime Minister wasn't here. But we're very clear, and Minister Mahuta, our Foreign Affairs Minister, has made it clear, as long as myself as Defence, that the Pacific is, a, is, is our priority. It has to be. We have small forces. We have um, a specific amount of influence around the world, if you like, and we've got to use it smartly. And the only way we can do that is if we do it together. So we are concerned for the Pacific, not just from a defence perspective, but how do we recover from COVID-19 Um, economically, uh, with resilience as well. So, look, for whatever reason, I don't know why the Prime Minister wasn't here, but we're still committed to the Pacific, dedicated to the Pacific, and part of the Pacific. Following that meeting, a lot of the Pacific Island governments that we spoke to talked about, you know, being happy that the Americans were back to engage, but that they were friends with everyone. What is the New Zealand defence position on China and China's role in the Pacific? Look, we always welcome uh, the US engagement in the Pacific because we can't do it alone, but we want to be very clear that it is our priority. Uh, They've made it clear their position on China. Um, I've I've said to them as a defence minister and as a country that while we're mindful of what's happening in the South China Sea, uh, in order for us to be uh, a key part of security in this region, we must be able to secure the Pacific. We must be able to show... Uh, with our limited capability, that we can be responsible for our own backyard. So, for example, New Zealand only has two frigates. Uh, Sending them to the South China Sea means that we leave a particular hole in the Pacific. So we need to be quite smart about the way we engage. But we welcome the US. Uh, I've spoken with Secretary Austin, their Defence Secretary, on a number of occasions, and he's committed to the Pacific too, and I look forward to that relationship growing. Minister, it's been a while since we've had a Defence Minister from Aotearoa here. What is the significance Uh, In the first instance, it's about that enduring relationship that we've had. Um, And, you know, I love uh, the way our cultures come together from New Zealand uh, and Fiji here. But more importantly, I think we've just, we've got a responsibility to each other to connect and then to plan to make sure we can support each other moving forward. So um, let this be the first of many. And what's the military engagement uh, in the future for us? Uh, that's the planning that needs to be done. Uh, it, can't, it can't be ad hoc, and that's the purpose of coming here, was 
Let's be very deliberate about what we're trying to achieve. Let's plan and let's execute it. So um, that work will be done by the team and more to come. That was Lethe Monovo speaking to New Zealand's Minister of Defence, Benny Henare. It's World Water Day, and this year's theme is focusing on all things groundwater. NGO Child Fund has been working in Besil, Kiribati, with the community for about five years in the hope to increase awareness about unsafe water. They recently found 73% of nearly 2,000 households had unsafe or likely unsafe drinking water due to bacterial contamination. I spoke with Child Fund New Zealand's senior technical advisor, Fiona Callan, about the water issues in Kiribati. Well, World Water Day is celebrated globally on March 22nd. It's really about appreciating water and its importance to life, obviously, but it's also a reminder that there are many communities around the world that still struggle to access clean and safe water. And this year's World Water Day theme is groundwater, making the invisible visible. So where Child Fund works, water is a key focus of almost all our projects. But the groundwater theme is particularly relevant to Kiribati, which we work in in the Pacific. Tell me more about Kiribati and what the realities are there for people who face shortages and contaminated groundwater. Well, for people living in Kiribati, in the main town, Baso, shallow groundwater is the primary source of water. Groundwater is at increasing threat in Kiribati from rising sea levels, the king tides and storm surges. Because when the seawater inundates the land, it seeps down into the groundwater and reduces the size of the freshwater lens. A lot of people in Kiribati say that the water starts tasting saltier and saltier throughout um, each year. Also, the groundwater is really shallow because Kiribati is only about two to three metres high in the highest places. It's a very um, low-lying coral atoll. So the groundwater is also very shallow. It's just about one to two metres deep. The other problem facing Kiribati is that it's extremely densely populated. There is just like mere centimetres between some of the houses. The population density is over twice that of Tokyo. So there's a lot of people um, on this land. There's a lot of rubbish that collects because they don't have very good um, waste management. And of course, all the human and animal waste, even graves in the shallow ground, can cause bacterial contamination to seep down into the groundwater. So most people rely on groundwater for their drinking water. It's their best source of water. But the piped water is only available for a few hours each day, and that's only turned on every two to three days. So they collect water from the tap and then store that at home. Recently, we did um, water collection, uh, water testing on 25 water collection points, and only four of them had safe water, and another two were sort of relatively okay. And people rely on that water for their drinking water. What kind of risk does this pose to communities who obviously really need clean drinking water, but knowing that this risk is there, surely there'd be quite dangerous consequences? Yeah, the consequences are dangerous. It's the consequence of, of unsafe water are diarrhoea and dysentery, which is particularly dangerous for little kids, but also vulnerable adults. So we did some research a couple of years back, which showed almost a third of children had experienced diarrhoea in the two weeks before the survey. So for little kids, when they get dehydrated and they get really sick, um, it can be quite dangerous, as you say. So Kiribati has the highest infant mortality rate in the Pacific region due to this. So it's a real problem. A lot of parents know that the drinking water they give their children might be contaminated, and that's a real concern for them. So we do regular water quality testing. We um, test the water of over 1,800 households, and we ask them to give us a glass of water that they would give to their kids. 
and almost three quarters of the households have contaminated drinking water. So it's really serious for you know, families and small children. And there's about an average of seven people per household. So all these people are sharing this contaminated drinking water. And it, when they get sick, you know, it can spread and other people get sick too. Is it fair to say, does Kiribati have the most devastating groundwater problem, according to Child Fund, or is, is that too big of a statement? Um, well, Kiribati has the lowest proportion of households across the entire Pacific region that have access to piped or protected water. And what we mean by that is like a good, safe drinking water source. Um, so, yeah, it's not an underestimation to say that Kiribati probably has one of the most serious groundwater problems and drinking water problems overall in the Pacific region. And so what is the government doing about this? Well, the government is severely under-resourced, um, which is often the case in very small you know, islands with very small tax bases. Um, they, you know, there is a reticulated piped system that, that's the one that they turn on every couple of days and that sort of thing. But they get very little um, money back from the community for that. So they put a lot of money into that and not enough really comes back to upgrade it or to improve it and make sure it's safe. Um, the town council really is also like under-resourced. They do the rubbish collection, but it's not regular like what we would expect in New Zealand. So rubbish does tend to pile up until they sort of get the resources or the trucks available to transport that rubbish to landfill. And of course, Kiribati is you know it's a very narrow atoll, coral atoll, where the landfill is right on the lagoon and on the other side is a road. So there's very limited space to actually address any of these issues. I mean, few countries are more vulnerable to climate change than Kiribati. So they, you know, they have so many challenges. Thanks, Fiona, for highlighting this important issue and for all the work Child Fund is doing in the Pacific. Well, that brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us.